0: Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is
1: Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that
0: you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to Episode 45, Hereafter, Part 1.
1: A confederacy of minor villains join forces to challenge Superman, culminating in a battle where Toy Man, of all people, apparently vaporizes him to everyone's shock. The League grieve in their own ways to commemorate his passing, while Batman refuses to believe he's really dead. Meanwhile, Lobo busts in from out of space to invite himself into the League as a replacement. They agree to take him on a mission to round up the criminals responsible for Superman's death as they continue to rampage. The episode closes with a shot of Superman, apparently alive, in a remote, featureless desert.
0: Yeah, so... I said in the last episode that I didn't see how they could be doing any more Rogue Gallery episodes, and I'm—I was proven very wrong.
1: It's not a spotlight on the Rogues Gallery. No, no, it's just a confederacy of assholes (laughs) haphazardly (laughs) arranged around the idea of what if a Superman was dead. Uh, Yeah, Superman dying is like a big moment in Mm -hmm. DC Comics, right? The death of Superman, like that was a huge thing, right? It was, yeah. And as I understand it, this this was kind of a, a nod to that um that that instance, that that event. I, I confess I don't know very much about the whole thing. I just you know, you hear various bits of comic book lore in the circles we travel in without ever having to read comic books. So right. I've heard of Flashpoint, I've heard of uh uh the, the the clone saga of Spider-Man, I've I've heard of the death of Superman. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you have any do you have any uh, history to bring to to mind for this?
0: Not necessarily. I think I read some of the death of Superman cause it was in the nineties. Uh, and I remember when still and Superboy and all those characters were kind of filling in for Superman after uh, who was it? Doomsday that killed him. I think, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember kind of like being adjacent to what was going on, uh, but I, I wasn't following it in real time. And, it's like you say. It's one of those things I've said for years. I'll read this eventually, and it hasn't happened yet.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's like I think it was a tr- really transient experience, a real sensational moment in comic book history. Because uh, back in the '90s, um, you know, I, I guess I don't know this, and I'm this is, I'm I'm kind of jumping off uh, from some tangents, and I, I might be getting some details wrong, but I think the notion of permadeath was not well established Mm. so like the idea of someone like everyone kind of gets a blanket um like some some protection right? right if they're the main character in a story or if they're particularly beloved there was that whole thing about one of uh batman's robins dying uh because the readers didn't like him Um, (laughs) but beyond that it takes a lot to kill an actual character and because Mm -hmm. of all the dumb parallel dimension and alternate timeline stuff that would become very prominent in the 90s I think that up to that point the idea of some uh, like of a character that important dying was just sort of kind of unheard of I don't know if I I don't know if I'm like I'm I'm just connecting dots that aren't there or anything I'm kind of making it up as I go a little bit
0: no, I, I think I think you're right. Unless you're an uncle or uh, a parent or something, you, there is no permadeath until I, and I could be wrong here, but I feel like uh Robin was the first like semi-permanent character to go.
1: And we're and, talking mainstream comic books. Like I've read my old my my brother's old Legion yeah. of Superheroes comics and those are just like so fucking campy as to like have Superman be replaced with Doom bots. Like, right. that, that, that's not the same canon, I think, as the Death of Superman storylines. It's a, yeah, it's a yeah. different flavor.
0: And admittedly, the X-Men are, like, a blind spot for me. So there's a, a very real chance that, like, a major X-Men character was killed off in the 80s, and I'm just not aware of it, or something along those lines. But I think... I, I remember the impact of, of Robin dying in, in Death in the Family and being like, yeah. Oh, okay, this can happen now. So...
1: Yeah, sort of a watershed moment like um, like uh, Aris dying in uh, mm-hmm. FF7, you know? Right, exactly. So I, I remember a lot of storylines were kind of all bound up in the death of Superman. And that makes this episode kind of resonant. Because mm-hmm. not only do all of the Justice League members have a stake in Superman, all the fucking villains do. Everyone yeah. in Metropolis, the whole world. Like, yeah. he is the pinnacle. He's the top. Mm-hmm. He's He's, like, I don't think there's any... There, there's there's not really a question that he's the quote unquote leader of the bunch, right? Uh, so, you know, I, I really liked that being paralleled in this uh, this episode, as I think it was used in comic books.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting takeaway, and 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 like you said, shows how important he is.
1: Yeah, uh, but. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out of the way. We can get right into the episode now that we have established what is going to pass.
0: Yeah, so it starts with a hooded Metallo hosting uh, the Springfield Republican Party uh, meeting.
1: <laughs> he looks. This is not the Metallo I'm familiar with. He looks a little bit more um, Two Face than mm-hmm. than I remember him being.
0: That's true. I think he I think he is modeled after the uh, Superman animated series. Um, character which I have seen from the D V D set and never actually watched an episode with.
1: Uh yeah. Um in, in an early point in this fight scene, uh Green uh, Green Lantern says, watch out for the iron watch out for Iron Giant, and he's referring yeah. to Toy Man's big robot monstrosity. That was cute. Two point two points of order. Uh-huh. Old Yeller and Iron Giant. GL <laughs> has a thing for kids movies. I'm just willing I'm willing to say.
0: <laughs> he does, yeah. I like that.
1: Also, in the movie The Iron Giant, uh, Hogarth shows the Iron Giant uh, comic books of Superman fighting Metallo. So
0: Oh, that's r- Oh man. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I remember yeah. there was a big Superman theme, but I didn't realize he was fighting Metallo. That's super yeah,
1: cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he saw the Metallo with the um with the laser cannon or whatever, that's what started him like shorting out into his uh, into his Optimus Prime form or whatever.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Or I guess Decepticon, whatever, whatever it means. Megatron, that's the guy. Yeah. That, that's Megatron. the guy I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, in any case, yep. um, this 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 group is just D-Lister's front-to-back. Toyman, oh, yes. Livewire, Metallo, Weather Wizard? That sounds like something. Uh, yeah. And also Calibac. Who is Dark Sar? Darkside? Side? A Scion- uh, 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 Darkside? Do I have that? Yeah, Darkside Scion. Like, wh- why is like? I feel like he's a bigger deal <laughs> than the rest of these, and I don't know how he- how he ended up with this. Like, he's really down on his luck.
0: Well, it's just like the last one, Sinestro rolling with that group of idiots.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sinestro plus Clayface. Right, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they, they show up in Metropolis and just start kind of fucking wrecking shit. I guess there is that yep. small segment where they're all cultists and they're like, <laughs> we're gonna kill Superman. Yep. And that's our plan. hmm <laughs> Which is they, they, amazing.
0: Yeah, they were one TV-14 away from, you know, cutting their hands and doing, like, a blood oath.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, the- yeah, definitely. Well, But also just, like, the clear lack of any prescriptive plan. <laughs> right. You know, like, they want revenge on Superman. That, that's the... That's the extent of their motivation, which is very fitting for a Toy Man episode.
0: (laughs) It works, yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, I actually like the fight choreography in this first big mashup. Is everyone in on this? I feel like everyone's in on this one, because they're all part of the grieving process for Superman, right? You have the five on the watchtower and Batman. Mm -hmm. So I think they're all here fighting this uh, group of D-listers. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah I, I like the fight choreography quite a bit we have um some good flash and wonder woman working together to mm-hmm. take out uh metallo and and they warned jean to like duck they warned him hey get out of the way and then they like clothesline metallo yeah. which is a little bit of a nod to last episode that the whole the whole idea behind that was we need more teamwork guys right right so now they're playing together
0: they're getting along, all the grudges that were formed when Soup's decided to leave. You know, they're, they're sort of healing.
1: They're figuring it out, man.
0: They are. Probably doing some trust falls.
1: <laughs> well, one hopes. <laughs> the Green Lantern Ring's kind of a cheat on that one. <laughs> Superman and Batman have a cute team up against Calibac. Because, mm-hmm. like, with Superman being like, I don't think, just, just between you and me, I don't think you could have taken Batman either. Just punches him in the next week. <laughs> yeah. It's very cute uh but then toy man uses like this laser cannon and just nukes superman superman pushes batman and wonder woman out of the way and he just gets dissolved disintegrated and the world goes silent yes like the music just completely gone and like Mm -hmm. just like the kind of wind through the tumbleweeds is like the only like that desolate wind of you know ghost town kind of ambience but nothing else
0: yeah yeah they set the uh the tension of this scene perfectly i thought
1: definitely because like you could see an alternate version of this where the music and the characters all react differently and it tells your brain don't worry he's not really gone he's just like been knocked for a loop or he's been transported somewhere which is what happened but they don't sell it like that they sell it like a death
0: right exactly like an
1: unexpected death
0: mm-hmm I do feel like the most of every, everyone on the team except for Batman kind of just gives up a little too quickly right like just assuming he's gone I mean
1: I, <laughs> I have a different take on it but uh we okay. can wait until the grieving time uh the, a little bit later in the episode to get into it that's fair um no yeah let, let's let's talk about it now yeah so you know i'm I'm're we're, we're skipping over some of the substance to get to some of the uh the some of the flavor of the episode but like a lot of this episode is what happens to the world and everyone Superman knows when he's gone. Mm-hmm. And most of his villains, you know, uh, most of his villains don't celebrate his passing. Like right. Lex Luthor shows up to be there for Lois, which is like a really kind of tender moment. Cause like, yeah. we were both on different sides of his, his identity, but like, you know, we, we have lost a lot with his passing, so I don't know. I that. That felt weirdly familiar to me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Hawkgirl, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, and Jean Jones are. <laughs> I I, th- I think that this is very cute as well. Like this little drinking party on the Watchtower.
0: Oh yeah. Where that they're is- like,
1: yeah. It goes from the somber funeral right to them cracking, cracking wise about some of the antics that Superman pulled. Oh yeah. In his time. It like didn't it. Did it feel to you like kind of like an army buddy send off? Like we had the public ceremony where everyone was somber and serious because that's what the public needs. Mm -hmm. But now the people who knew him best have their second ceremony and it's all kind of celebrating the life that he, that that felt like an army thing to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say so. I mean, or even just people in general, because I know that like in certain settings, you know, like uh well when I was a kid I went to a lot of funerals because I was with my grandma all the time so like all her friends kept dying and that's the main
1: social event calendar when you're (laughs) grandma I think
0: exactly yeah yeah so I I mean I I witnessed both sides of it sometimes you would go to these extremely somber events and then other times you would go to these events where it was much more lighthearted and telling funny stories and memories and things like that so you know it it resonated with me on on a number of different levels yeah there was the public face and then there's the private face of a of a funeral and i love that they touched on both
1: well i mean it's it's like any culture is going to vary pretty wildly in yeah. its approach to grieving right. but every culture has a way to do it like it, even like australopithecus or whatever had burial rites there there's like a ton of, and I might be getting the exact, uh, you know, subspecies wrong. But the, the, the point is, like, this is, it is not uncommon for different people to react and grieve in different ways. Hence yeah. the, hence the, um, the, the generally good advice, which I always try to try to um, follow, which is uh, don't let anyone else tell you how to grieve. You do it on yeah. your own timetable and you do it in whatever way makes sense to you. Batman's way to grieve is a little different. Uh, he is <laughs> like I don't know about you. This reads to me as full-on fucking denial. <laughs> he just he's looking for reasons for Superman not to be dead. Like he's he's correct, right? But, but that doesn't change the thought process. Is he wants him not to be dead, and so he's fitting the facts to fit the theory? You know, yep, that's
0: true. That's true. Because even towards the you know uh, towards the end of the episode, he starts to sort of think, well. I guess maybe he really is gone. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely does read like denial. I just didn't think of it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you also, even though the show sells it to you as, "Hey, this is a real death," mm-hmm. we recognize that this is in the arc of a Justice League plotline. It's it's an animated series. You know, Superman shows up later, so like, right. it's it's not clearly something else is going on. But if you can remove yourself from that, from the part of the if you can remove yourself from that part of that brain that understands all these meta narratives, then mm. I think it does read like he's really looking for a reason that it could, he could be wrong,
0: you know? Right. Right. And I don't know what it says about him. The fact that he's just watching the death tape over and over and over again to try to, <laughs> I mean, I assume that yeah. like, he hacked into the, whatever building they were near, he hacked into their security system and, and cause you know he was watching the the dissolvement over and over again on his bat computer
1: somehow. Say you what you will about Batman, but it does say a lot about him. The way, like everybody in the Justice League has experienced loss of some sort, but I like to look at Batman's reaction versus John Jones's reaction, which is that Jean Jones already kind of went through the grieving process for not merely his family, but his whole civilization. And we saw him struggle with that in, you know, Morgana and that whole arc. But he has put it behind him and moved on. I think Batman has never really gotten over the death of his parents. I I think that that's, that's kind of an uncommonly driving force. Oh, yeah. And so for him to lose yet another person who means the world to him is like an inconceivable failure on his part like he's trying to protect himself from the fact that he failed i think
0: yeah that makes sense
1: that's that's just my guess um but yeah that's uh i i guess i guess i want to rewind the tape a little bit because there were a couple good moments leading up to the funeral sure okay because we see the characters going from their homes to the funeral Right. Which means we get no- yet another shot of G.L. in his Detroit Bachelor pad. Oh yeah. We also see Wonder Woman in what looks to be like a 50s era master bedroom. <laughs> and Hippolyta's there. And I don't, don't know what that means. Because well. she, as far as I know, she is still excommunicated from Themyscira. Which means that like, is Hippolyta just like visiting? I, I have no idea what it means. Ah, oh, I guess she is
0: just visiting. Cause I guess there's no rule that she can't come to uh
1: <laughs> to, yeah. to,
0: to wherever Diana is. But yeah,
1: no, there's there's no there's no charter.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Um, I like that Hawk Girl is alone in like Canyon Wilderness. Yeah, that read that reads to me. That does read. It, it leads credence to the theory that she just is couch surfing with the group of one, a bunch of one night stands in between, you know, watchtower <laughs> missions course the funeral itself has a bunch of cameos yes um, there's an alfred there's definitely at least one robin i, I uh-huh. only i saw one i don't know about the others but um mon pa kent jimmy olsen lois uh and john gives this great eulogy i know, you know? john jones should be giving every emotionally impacting speech oh. in this in the show should. he's just you great should. Just the whole, like, he was more than a man. He, you know, accepted me in and, and he meant more to all of us than we can ever repay. And, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing that you'd always hear about it, but it means more coming from him because you know oh, his yeah. history and you know how much this new family means to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also like that uh, Wonder Woman is kind of decked out for this. Like, it, everybody else has their costumes on. She has, like, this regal ambassador kind of robe this mm-hmm. this sort of head of state vibe to her uh oh, which yeah. i think is like maybe a little bit of a, a spoiler for that she will eventually be the ambassador of the mascara in like a political right right yeah I, I liked
0: the outfits that everybody was wearing to to this funeral uh, aside from hawk girls which i thought felt a little underwhelming but she could have put on pants certainly yeah I, she definitely strikes me as a pantsuit type of gal Oh, yeah, definitely. With, with wing holes cut out in the back of the uh, blazer.
1: <laughs> Just like a spacesuit. <laughs> yeah. Uh Did you notice that they're also all wearing black armbands?
0: Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah, on
1: their left arm. They're wearing a black armband, which, you know, the whole armband thing often reads as a Nazi thing. So I think that it is not commonly used. But I I, I saw it as some subtle grieving tradition amongst i don't know whoever whatever 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 green lantern it, it, whatever whatever they do in the core i guess i don't know they, huh. they must like have a grieving tradition so, someone's grieving tradition is being expressed here and I, I didn't know whose it was
0: that's interesting uh i mean being in black you would assume it's batman but uh, he didn't even bother to show so
1: uh, actually, <laughs> and it'd be I wonder... impossible to tell if he was wearing the black armband.
0: <laughs> I do sort of wonder if, uh, because, and I don't know if this is the in the original death of Superman, but I know in other series when Superman has died, he's come back wearing the black suit.
1: And mm. I wonder
0: if that might be a little bit of a nod to that. But that's really grasping for straws.
1: It's a little out there, but I, I mean, it doesn't get commented upon in the episodes. So, like, what are we to do? But. To extrapolate right?
0: right exactly
1: but i i like that there is kind of a subtle nod of you know it's 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 the it's the justice league equivalent of the the those those black mesh hats with the black flowers on them that old ladies wear at funerals do you know what i'm talking <laughs> about <laughs> whatever those things are 100 <laughs> with like the veil or whatever mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to call those no that's that's fair
0: they're uh um, what would superman do bracelets
1: <laughs> By God, that'd be amazing! <laughs> it doesn't actually say the letters, but they all know what it means. Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then fucking Lobo shows up. Um, <laughs> it's pretty unceremoniously just, you just 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 ambushes the watchtower, breaks the glass, <laughs> decompresses mm-hmm. the whole fucking thing, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm here now." <laughs> right, right. So,
0: douchebag incoming.
1: Du- <laughs> incoming douchebag. Um. <laughs> God, this this entrance is just. I love it in a lot of ways. First of all, I don't know how you feel about Lobo. I'm I'm kind of a big fan.
0: Oh, I I have very little opinion on him.
1: Little opinion, or or opinion of him being little. Like, uh, do you do you not care about him, or is he like I, a thing I that know, you don't like?
0: I sort of both. I yeah. mean, I I don't I don't have a reason to dislike him because I've spent very little time with Lobo. But um, I that's also... the
1: right amount of time to spend with Lobo. I, exactly.
0: <laughs> I think the only thing I really know Lobo from is there was a crossover with the mask. Um, <laughs> that that, that reads. That yeah, was he was
1: sort of the Deadpool before Deadpool. Would you mind if I I don't know talked about Lobo for a few minutes? I figured you would one of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lobo is our character highlight. He is a character that appeared in comic books. Uh, by, uh, created by Roger Slif- Slifer, Slifer, and Keith Griffin, uh, Giffen, excuse me, mm-hmm. and first appeared in Omega Men number three of in June of 1983. An alien born of the utopian planet of Zarnia, uh, and <laughs> works in an interstellar mercenary and bounty hunter. He was originally designed as a parody of the edgy, ne- well, uh, he was originally designed back in 1983, but he didn't really work then, and he didn't have much popularity. Mm. When he got redesigned in the 90s, he was redesigned as a parody of edgy, 90s, grim and gritty superhero stories like Wolverine, right. Cable, Punisher. You know the type. The grim, dark the, the brooding, the ultra-violent. Mm-hmm. He rides a motorcycle through the stars and smokes a cigar and is just essentially like a a, a living reminder of the evils of toxic masculinity oh yeah um yeah and he's uh he's just designed as kind of an anti-hero to bounce off of more serious characters now like he has sort of his own stories but they're never treated very seriously right I actually found it very hard to nail down exactly what his power set was because it doesn't seem it, it. Again, it's kind of akin to a Deadpool, where like sometimes he's a little stronger than a person, and sometimes he can punch the sun into the in, into the moon. Like it doesn't, it's not right. consistent. Right. Uh, apparently, he was Stan Lee's favorite DC Comics character. Interesting. Which, I, I mean, given how uh, much of a fan he was of cameos in. You know, like jokey cameos in his own movies. I, I kind of believe it that he would gravitate toward this parody of beloved characters, right? Uh, and the fans did too. People who liked Cable and Wolverine, and they latched on to Lobo like he wasn't an incarnation of the writers making fun of them. Hmm. So for whatever reason, they just they weren't understanding the irony behind him. They didn't realize that it was a joke directed at them, not with them, and he was just like, yeah, give me the motorcycle badass throughout the stars. Let's (laughs) have some more. More (laughs) more handlebar mustache, please. Of course, yes. He's got the standard Superman power set. Resilient, strong, nigh immortal. uh, Sense of smell that allows him to track things through space. (laughs) Presumably for bounty hunting purposes. Uh, and he can detect his enemies' weaknesses just by looking at them. That's kind of useful. It, it's useful in like a bounty hunter. I need to get the best of my prey,
0: mm-hmm. kind of
1: hunter from Jumanji situation, <laughs> going. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I actually like him a lot. I think mainly because he's not a true villain, like an arc villain that you can kind of plan against. Like he doesn't have plans. Right. He just right. he's very reactive. Mm-hmm. He takes a contract based on his own preferences, based on stating his own ego. Um He refers to himself as the main man, right. which is <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> yeah, um and i like that i like that he doesn't have designs other than i want to fuck up strong people to prove that i am uh that the to as as a stand-in for a you know porsche or a mercedes or or whatever i'm being emasculated against right right just 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 to state his own ego his own narcissism uh what what do you what do you got for for lobo Uh, you have a general dislike of him
0: I don't know that it's a dislike; it's a disinterest, I guess, is is the more appropriate way to put it. Uh, Do you but like w- any
1: of those other uh, like Wolverine Punisher types? Mm. Uh,
0: well, when I was a kid, yeah, I loved Wolverine, and I I I thought Punisher was cool. I <laughs> uh, this is a weird, obscure uh, crossover event, but back in the nineties, they did uh, Punisher meets Archie. Yes, I remember reading that and feeling super edgy as a kid, cause you know I think the D word was in it. Um, but you know, uh, that was long before Archie met predator and all these other weird crossovers that they've done throughout the years. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I was kind of drawn to that grim dark at one point, probably because Batman, but I don't know your explanation and the fact that the people that he was made to parody didn't realize that they were a part of the joke makes me like him more. I'll put it that way.
1: There's, there's kind of three different buckets to keep in mind. One is the Batman bucket that's yep. your that's your brooding uh anti-hero or 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 arch- brooding archetype they're right. edgy yep. but they're not edgy in the same way that Punisher and Wolverine are edgy they're 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 the second bucket and I right. actually hate that bucket which is mm. just the ultraviolent very uh very um obviously exuding masculinity from every pore a lot of aggression right uh, and it just 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 it doesn't do much for me i like the brooding on on uh brooding on rooftops bit you know i like that noir feel that batman gives i do not have any patience for muscle boys uh being angry and muscly at each other
0: that's fair and really i'm that way now i'm not sure why they appealed to me more as a kid i guess maybe because my head wasn't like fully wrapped around what the muscle bound types were you know oh yeah (laughs) Uh, no, but as I, I had
1: no taste as a child either. I mean, like, there's well, no... It's just whatever you're around, you know? But then there's the third bucket, which is the... I'm so... Uh, like, which is the Lobo bucket, which is the over-the-top... I'm trying too hard to be hyper-masculine. Right. Because, and it's so clearly because of my crippling insecurity type of person. Like, Lobo is very clearly somebody who's not secure in his own masculinity and feels the need to project it at every opportunity and that just makes him a joke like he's a Johnny Bravo (laughs) so like it 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 is hard to work up the same distaste for a Lobo that for me than it is for a Punisher that's fair I I Um, can totally appreciate that it's so easy to laugh at Lobo (laughs) He's such a goon right
0: Right. And and I will say the second he spoke and it was Brad Garrett's voice, I was like this this works. <laughs> That works.
1: I like it. What uh what else do we know Brad Garrett from? He's the
0: brother on Everybody Loves Raymond, that's like his biggest Ooh. thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: That 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 is a really good voice for and, that uh, role. Yeah, yeah, I thought
0: so. And he's also a Big Dog and Two Stupid Dogs, which is a completely different Oh my god, that character. was him? Yeah. Corn uh, yeah, and Brad was also all over Biker Mice from Mars. If
1: you watch that, but. I complete well. That tracks yeah. nearly <laughs> linearly from Biker Mice to Lobo. <laughs> yeah. That's like not even a hop, skip, and jump away. That's in the same damn zip code, man. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that that Lobo just enters. He just is like, I we're done with the sad stuff for this episode. We you you felt it. Uh and it's just, I really love this entrance because it, it's a, accompanied by crunchy guitars oh, it's so out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> it's, it's awful, but it fits the scene so well.
1: I, I really, and like, everyone's kind of jumping into this new joke tone because the first thing that Jean Jones says cracks me up you are not welcome here. This is a private gathering. They're on the (laughs) watchtower. What do you mean this is a private gathering? (laughs) Yeah, there
0: was some good one-liners. I wish I had written more of them down, but across both parts of this, there were some good ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the entire just Lobo performance, it's not really a one-liner, it's just kind of a long paragraph tirade of the person that Lobo is just injecting itself into this scene that doesn't fit a Lobo, which is arguably the scene that a Lobo best fits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, the contrast is really useful in selling the audacity of this character.
0: Right, yeah, totally. And, I mean, uh, it's it's risky using this kind of tonal shift, right? Because you go from this very dark, heavy, uh, heady stuff into this bright, colorful bullshit. And it's like, what is why
1: <laughs> we see it by the end of the episode that superman isn't dead but anyone right. with any grasp of genre conventions will realize as soon as lobo's in the scene oh superman can't be dead exactly there, there is no <laughs> way that right. you can have a lobo in the scene if superman is dead
0: 100 yep
1: uh yeah do you feel good about his place in the episode like as the mood whiplash thing do you think that he's needed levity like what i i was kind of torn on this and i eventually came down on the side of he's he's a necessary uh fulcrum from getting us from the serious heady stuff into the more action stuff
0: i i agree yeah totally um i initially i don't know it, it i feel like it should have bothered me a lot more than it did but i thought that they just balanced it kind of perfectly like when he came in, I was like, well, this is different. And then immediately I was on board. So
1: Bragging about his sexual exploits, hitting on <laughs> everyone, right. uh, spitting on Superman's name that's, you know, calling him six feet under right to their faces immediately. Right. Throwing his bike into like the, the, the main generator core or whatever. He's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the crunchy guitars behind it, though. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That was a little much. I, I it was it was exactly the right amount, like, like I I don't know I'm I'm a big fan of Lobo breaking the fourth wall uh, right. the third wall let's say yeah yeah, uh, but yeah anyway we we have the rest of an episode to wrap up so I'll, I'll try right. not to linger too much on it um, you did mention Batman has that soliloquy where he standing in front of the Superman monument kind of saying I don't want to give up on you but maybe I'm just kidding myself thinking right. that you're still alive. Uh, but he's interrupted by the same assholes as before who took down, like, I guess they're like Superman's gone. So the justice league is easy pickings or like it's looting time. Why are they still here?
0: I think it's looting time. That's, that's looting the impression time. I got. Plus more, uh, people cost dead shots there. And, uh, I feel like one other character showed up that wasn't there in the initial battle.
1: Are you sure that's dead? Sh- oh, no, no, you're right. Um, is copperhead got copperhead. involved
0: yeah he showed up
1: which made me happy yeah he had scarlet sapphire mm-hmm. so like uh they, they they called the whole crew into town
0: yeah which is what leads me to believe it's a looting party as opposed to uh uh you know oh yeah
1: yeah copperhead's not gonna show up unless like it's Unless, well, I, I mean, I guess, like, when, whenever he gets the call from somebody higher up on the list, he, he's kind of... Which is literally anyone. It's most it's most people, yes. I think <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum are arguably below, but... Maybe, yeah. It's a narrow case. I want to know what happened
0: to Toy Man, because he did not come back.
1: That is extremely weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I guess, like, that was what he signed on for, was evaporate Superman. And everybody else is like, are we going to do something in this wreckage? And he's like, nope. One and done. I'm clocking out. It's 5:30. I'm gonna go get a drink.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I need to go home and soak in a salt bath. I've I've had enough.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that's a that's a heavy day for a toy man killing a Superman. Yeah, oh, not so bad.
0: Yeah, you don't do it every day.
1: No. Uh, there was like a neat, neat little animation detail once the starting fights, which um I don't know if you caught, but when Batman glides into the scene and his cape opens up, and you see kind of the gliding rigging underneath it, like the mechanical cables and stuff. That was cool. Yeah. I I just thought it was part of the cape, but apparently Mm. it's like a endoskeleton kind of lining to it that, if I'm not mistaken, he just tosses when he lands. That's what it seemed like. I've never...
0: I mean, in the original animated series, it was definitely just his cape catching the wind, but maybe in the... uh, this season four, when they did the redesign of everything, maybe that they incorporated that to make it more realistic.
1: But it was yeah, I, it's it,
0: it's. I liked it, but it, yeah. it is
1: it sort of begs the question of why it uh, why why they felt the need to do it. Right, appreciated but confusing.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, I there was another one line when Lobo shows up. Like they all come down to Earth and they're like, "All right, we gotta just gotta rumble this shit out." Right, uh, and Lobo says, "Remember to look both ways before you cross me." <laughs> He's such a pro wrestler. That's such a pro wrestler line.
0: That is a pro wrestler line. Yeah, and uh, uh, it worked on me.
1: I, I liked. Uh, yeah, Lobo versus Calabac is good. There's a <laughs> lot of good moments with um with Flash here. Mm-hmm. Flash is getting in on it. Yep, using it using his powers in a tricksy way works for me. Re, re, rerouting the the fire by um. Whatever her name was, Super Flare, uh, Hot Stuff, Fire Legs—I don't remember what her name was. She's the Fire Lady. She, but oh. but he like runs past it to reroute the fire away. Right. Uh, and then disconnecting the cable that Live Wire is traveling through and connecting it to like a a, a pool of water so she sorts herself out. That's so good. That was
0: cool. Yeah, there's some good flash in this.
1: Uh, but yeah, then then we do have the uh, the Lobo Calabac uh, kind of we see how that all be- uh, that, that how that all shakes out. There's like this pileup of cars that Calabac <laughs> is uh, crushed underneath, and Lobo's just s- say it, <laughs> Uncle. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> right. I remember that scene from when I was a kid, Gary. Really? Yeah, it still makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean just like knowing what calabac is he's from apocalypse in what world does he know uncle as like the term of i give up like exactly because that means that lopo must have taught him it somewhere in the fight
0: <laughs> yeah shouldn't he know high father instead of uh uncle or uncle high father uncle. i don't yeah, know what uncle, they are.
1: probably uncle father
0: hi uncle <laughs> that's what my nephew calls me i, <laughs> I don't know <laughs>
1: I mean, it kind of just ends with like the fight wrapping up and all of the villains are captured. And then Lobo is just kind of like, see, you don't need Superman as long as I'm around. Right. And then it cuts over to that, uh, very pregnant pause while we look at Superman crushed under some rubble in a featureless desert to be continued
0: to be continued.
1: Yes. They're good at those. They're good at the to be continued most of the time.
0: They are. This, this one, is a good one. This one we could have seen coming. Uh, oh yeah, obviously presumably it I mean I, I when I saw him I was like oh this is the end of the episode it's going to say yeah. to be continued and then it did and I was like hey,
1: hey. yeah it is kind meeting. of satisfying that way yeah
0: yeah yeah um yeah uh th- th- and also it's it's worth noting because I don't think that we uh we did previously but Alfred gets quite a bit of screen time in this episode oh yeah which yeah, is he... first time ever in Justice League.
1: I I feel like he must have said something before, but I, I don't even think he's been on before. That might you might be right. Why didn't I pick Alfred from the for the character highlight? That would have been that would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah,
0: I love Alfred. So anytime he shows up in something, I'm kind of like,
1: Ugh. yeah, no, Alfred, Alfred, good. And like that was the moment that I uh, kind of put together that. Batman's grieving process is just straight up denial is that yeah. like alfred's trying to like get him to accept it but he's just right. kind of not having it oh yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: but but yeah um all right. yeah uh i i'm done with the episode uh do you want to do you have an episode highlight
0: um i do there's a little line from flash uh where and i'm i'm probably going to butcher the exact quote but uh he he said to um i think it was martian manhunter or green lantern one of the one of the green guys he said "Uh, i used to be able to goof around because i knew superman would have my back now all i've got is example and that's going to have to be enough
1: that's very good
0: that's a good quote and and it's a rare side of flash that we don't get to see often
1: well more to the point like it's it's a side of flash that he himself recognizes has to come to the front.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Like he's like, I I'm there's there's no there's no room for goofing off anymore. Like right. I I gotta step it up now. Yep. So
0: yep. And he does. He pulls off some of the coolest fight stuff I've ever seen him do.
1: That live wire reroute is so cool. <laughs> yeah. What a cool guy he is <laughs> Uh how about you Ben? Batman's whole grieving process just feels mm. so relatable to me. Like yeah. you know I, I you've heard stories of people go missing in action and like their loved ones don't believe that they're dead. Like it's, and it's, it's tragic for everyone around them because they don't have the closure and they can't let it go. And you know, it's, it's just, and because like, that's a very foundational relationship for Batman in this series. The Batman Superman thing is, is kind of his main relationship in the justice league, you know? Right. Like the Diana stuff is flirtatious, but like, superman's kind of the one who's always at his back and uh to see him react maybe not more strongly than everyone else but in a decidedly more visceral way yeah like he's not handling it gracefully and that that was very it, it lets you kind of peer beneath the uh calm cool logical facade and look at what like kind of motivating his actions like yes he's going through it methodically yes he is speaking logically right no it's not being motivated by a place of logic it's being motivated by a crushing feeling of loss and helplessness yeah so yeah
0: good stuff that was batman's whole arc in this episode was like tied for the flash thing so i'm 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 glad we uh didn't repeat each other too much here
1: I think this is the first episode where I'm like, I, I kind of don't know how it could have been better. Like, I think this is very close to the best episode that I think this, that we've had so far. I don't That's know if, fair. I don't know if you feel any similarly to like, even the action wasn't the primary aspect of it. It was right. good when it was there and it was to a point, mm-hmm. um, and then it got out of the way and right. let everyone sit at the funeral. And yeah. then we had Lobo shenanigans to lighten things up. And <laughs> yeah. And the character beats were great. I don't mm-hmm. know, man. Very well balanced. And I mean,
0: I'll put it this way. Whenever I sat down to watch this, I was not in the mood for it. And at first, whenever it was like a Rogues gallery, I was like,
1: Oh, Oh, what the fuck? Lot- toy man. Yeah. Give me toy man.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it won me over super fast and, and it held me. And I have to agree with you. It's one of the best episodes to date.
1: This this is really good. Um, even though we know that the the stakes are imaginary, uh, mm. it's it's really well handled. I wonder if the fact that we're using such d-listers is an intentional way to hit us with Superman's death as like a slap in the face.
0: Mm. That's interesting. You know? Yeah,
1: like if it was a Lex Luthor, maybe it wouldn't have hit had the same punch because we could have seen it coming, maybe? Right,
0: right. Yeah, that, that's that's true. I mean, imagine how angry he is that he tried to destroy Superman time and time again and friggin' Toy Man beat him to it.
1: Oh, man. I, what I would give for the, like, outtakes blooper reel after the credits <laughs> where he, like, picks up the newspaper and he's just like, oh, oh, hell no. Oh, I, I don't...
0: Mm. Mercy, get in here.
1: Mercy, get in here. humanite turn down the opera. And here's the thing, Gary. Everything in this episode was great. You're not prepared for episode two, guys. No, you're, you're not. not. You're is not. Is that good or bad? It's incredible, is what find it up. is. <laughs> it's it's a lot, <laughs> right? Is what it is. Well,
0: maybe I hate it. Uh, tune in in seven days to find out.
1: You, maybe you hate
0: <laughs> you can tell by my grin how much I hate the next episode
1: yeah yeah. how could you not hate an episode that is mostly <laughs> Superman
0: right exactly <laughs> um, but yeah more on that uh, in seven days until then Ben where can people find you
1: oh people can find me uh, grieving weather wizard he did not make it out of there alive oh. uh, but luckily his whole family showed up as well as uh, Bill, Billy Olsman uh, the reporter <laughs> 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 and 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 some other and some other name that's sort of close to lois lane his loved ones um but, and, but when i get out of that funeral i'm going to be at my podcast uh the carton cast it's a podcast about old cartoons i do it with my brother uh you can find us at fancybat.com slash and gary where can people find you
0: well uh in a previous episode i talked about one of my bands unfortunately we broke up but just started a new one called Incoming Douchebag. Uh, we're going to be playing this weekend <laughs> and hoping that Lobo shows up. So uh,
1: He's the entire audience.
0: He is the entire audience.
1: And also the barkeep.
0: <laughs> He's everyone. Yeah, uh, but when I'm not doing that, or... <laughs> How do I dismount that stupid?
1: You have like- to sit in it, Gary. The audience needs to see the whole process you put in yourself. You're going through a Batman-esque grieving process right it's, now, where it's you, true. you're denying that you can't get the the outro well, and you're having <laughs> to go through it in stages. And I'm your Alfred, buddy. I'll keep your feet to the fire and push you through this.
0: I appreciate that, uh, good old Ben Pennyworth. <laughs> ha- ben Pennyworth. <laughs> Boy, oh boy! I'm just going to say I can be found at the Wax Nostalgic Network because there is no logical dismount, and uh, you can find links for Ben's show, my show, all the shows in the show notes, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week, Ben.
1: <laughs> Give yourself a break. This was this episode had Lobo in it.
0: It did. It did.
1: Um, There was only so gracefully that we could have ended it. It's true. (laughs) Maybe if you put some crunchy guitars in the outro, we'll be good.
0: I'll see what I can do at the very least. We'll we'll just blast off into space on our crotch rockets. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to The Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.